0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to
1: emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit.
0: Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Pat, and with me is my best friend and co host, Aaron. Hello, hello. And finishing out our trio of zombie conversationalists, is a returning guest and great contributor to the show, Coles Davis.
1: He's a zombie, apparently, because he doesn't have... We've
2: his... lost him! She's yeah, a... we've lost She's him. Playing. Hi, everybody. Um, sorry, I
0: was oh, talking God. to myself. There he is. I was afraid for a minute, Aaron. When you call us gonna...
1: zombie conversationalists, does that mean we are zombies that are having a conversation, or we are having a conversation about zombies?
0: Let's go with the latter, and then if it turns into the former, then, you know, we'll just continue to eat our Twinkies as I have here.
1: Oh, oh that's so smart. I can't do that because I'm keto.
2: But I think that's brilliant. I ate a donut if that matters.
0: <laughs> no. it's Not, not really. Like,
2: no. Might no. <laughs> as well be
0: a snowball. Might as well be a snowball.
2: Oh, no, no, um, never. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this week, if you haven't guessed, we're talking about the 2009 apocalyptic ride Zombieland, in anticipation of its sequel releasing next week. And if you haven't seen the movie, check it out before joining this conversation, because we will be spoiling the mess out of it. That said, it's time to nut up or shut up. So here we go. With our one-word takeaways, Coles, we will start with you, my friend.
2: Mines was rules. I feel like the whole film acted as um, a survival guidebook for the whole zombie apocalypse and i remember being in school and loving to see those books in the library where you get all these tips on how to survive if zombies were to invade your town i felt like that the movie was an extension of that
1: absolutely i would definitely agree (laughs) it does it reminds me of god what was that there's a another movie or a book i think called scouts guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse or something similar um, and there there are definitely books out there that give you all the tips, and the rules seem to kind of echo that and play off of that idea.
0: You're talking about the uh, worst-case scenario handbooks that go. were a series of books that I think got turned into either a movie or a TV show or something. Well, Aaron, what about you? What was your one-word takeaway? <laughs> well, my one-word takeaway was Twinkie.
1: Yeah, like the one you're holding up right there, just like that one. W- one of my favorite things about this story is Tallahassee's never-ending search for his... Golden sponge cake with a cream filling. I too love me some Twinkies, even though I can no longer really eat them. And I am not a fan of snowballs. And that is also mainly because of the flavor of coconut. But despite how much fun that whole bit adds to the story, there's something that makes me think a lot about. And that is what would keep me going in a world where there is seemingly nothing left to care about or live for. Twinkies keep him going. And they serve as this kind of stand-in for one of those small pleasures that makes it worth going on another day in Zombieland For I love that, and I always wonder what it might be for me if I was in his position. But it's also such a great comedic bit and iconic thing that has become the thing that I most associate with this movie. And so if someone mentions Twinkies, I think of Zombieland automatically and also vice versa and I just love that kind of memorable movie reference and this gives it to me.
0: Full disclosure I was at Kroger tonight getting some groceries and I was looking for Twinkies for tonight's episode and all I could find at the time was the special apparent pumpkin spice cream filled Twinkies that they had. Didn't want to do that because I would feel like that is kind of breaking the rules here eventually i did find the original twinkie obviously as i'm showing you now and uh, i did feel a little bit like the gratification that that the felt when he eventually got his twinkie so great one word takeaway
1: did you have to pull any buckshot out of
0: yours i didn't didn't. oh good that's good although kroger on a sunday gets pretty close to a zombie apocalypse (laughs) it's pretty nuts for sure Well, my yeah my one word takeaway was experience Part of that comes from the fact that this is a first time watch for me. This is not one that popped on my radar in the the late aughts, if you want to call it that. And so going into this, I had zero expectations other than a great cast of people that I've grown to really, really love as actors. So the experience of watching this for the first time was pretty incredible. I found myself laughing a lot. I found myself kind of turning my head here and there. And more than anything, I, I found myself connected with these characters and the experiences that they were dealing with in terms of not just getting through a life in Zombieland, but really kind of being driven by different kinds of purposes. Like you mentioned, Aaron, with Tallahassee and his Twinkies. And for me, what really made this movie great Was that cast outside of the undead that are attacking them everywhere? We have essentially four individuals who come together a little bit at a time and they really bring about these four different distinct character personalities. Of the four, I wanted to ask you guys first up Did you connect with a particular personality? Obviously, we have two men, two women, and so I'm going to throw it out there and say it's okay to connect. With one of the female personalities. That's why I say personalities and not necessarily characters. But did anyone stand out to you that you were like, yeah, if I were in this thing, that's
2: who I would be? Fair to say I connected with Columbus out of any member of the group. Um, Tallahassee, for me, he felt like that crazy friend, like the friend, you know, who's going to have you back. But the one you always have to be worried about because you don't know exactly what he's going to do at any moment. I was never that kind of person. I was always the kind who was kind of laid back, neat, orderly, has a little bit of OCD, some phobias here and there. And I felt and I felt Columbus's, you know, wanting to have a structure to his life. Like, even though there's all kinds of chaos around him, you always got to feel that there's some kind of rules that govern your life to keep you from falling off the ledge. And when Columbus goes around, he's explaining like, I have a phobia of clowns. I have irritable bowel syndrome. You know, I like the stay clear of bathrooms. Like I felt like that's me. That's me right there. Like not with the irritable bowel syndrome. Of course not. <laughs> not
0: I was getting worried. <laughs> I was like, wait a we'll second. Be back right after
1: we we yeah, uh, <laughs> taking a break real quick.
2: <laughs> no, no, what I, what, what I meant is just this detailed efficiency way of dealing with certain things. Um, the moment that really felt sure that it was me, I saw him in, when he went towards his flashback where he's in college and he's, like, sitting alone in the dark playing World of Warcraft with the pizza boxes. Like, hey, that was me in college. Like, if I wasn't hanging out with friends, I would just be in the room, turn on the PS4, order up dominoes, perfectly chicken wings, and just have an all-night session of playing Call of Duty, including some zombies you know. (laughs) Right.
1: That's still me right now, actually. No, (laughs) I don't
2: blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, No, I'm
1: with you 100%. Like for those two reasons. I mean, the past being something I can relate to the pizza, the Mountain Dew, the World of Warcraft, video games in the basement, the desiring, first and foremost, to be in a relationship, like stating that, but being sort of still somewhat socially awkward to the point where you're not actively going after that because you're in the basement still. Like, you're not making it happen. You're just kind of wanting into the void. I still have that problem. And also the efficiency and the rules. Like, I am a rules guy. I love rules. I, in fact, I mean, Patrick knows this so well. well. You do too, and you've been with us a while now. Like, I, I go crazy when things do not go by the book. It, it sor- seriously gives me a lot of anxiety. And so I feel like I would definitely lean toward his method of dealing with the zombie apocalypse over the others. Now, he's got a little bit more goofiness to him um, and, and more awkwardness to him than I think I personally do or would. I would be a blend of characters. I think the other one that comes to mind would probably be Little Rock. And that is because I feel like she is a good mixture of a character who just wants to believe there's something that is eventually going to make this better and that there's going to be something worth it, right? Getting where she wants to go. But at the same time, she's a bit of a schemer and she can do what she needs to do to be a part of this duo that achieves what's best for the two of them. And that would be me. Like, if I latch on to a person, I am going to be very, very loyal to those people. I don't have a lot of people in my close circles, but the ones that are there mean a lot to me and I would do anything for and so I feel like I'm kind of a blend between uh, Little Rock and Columbus and also because her name is Little Rock and so freaking hello
0: hello what hello.
1: oh well I mean I'm from Little Rock
0: so there you go well, I mean Come sort on. of we're not, we're not all your best friends so yeah we oh know that. <laughs> well because
1: we live in Little Rock or lived in Little Rock yes. and you kind of still do live near Little Rock so yes it's, Little Rock yes, is important it's... to us because we we were happy to hear Arkansas in this movie
0: yeah, for sure. And I think three for three. I, I definitely relate to Columbus for all those reasons that you guys mentioned. I will say that I gravitate more towards Wichita as an adult because I feel like she encapsulates a really solid lead leader. Someone who's not afraid to deceit. See, now I'm going to put a foot in my mouth. She's not afraid to use deception as a means to get what she wants. But what I gravitate towards with her is this idea that she's willing to take those risks. She's willing to be confident in what she believes confident in the actions that she takes and she is the older sister of Little Rock so Little Rock has kind of taken her cues from Wichita I feel like in my job and the way that I'm leading the family that I have it makes sense that I sort of gravitate towards her but that awkwardness I think most people would probably gravitate towards Columbus because he's our narrator I mean the whole movie is really taking place from his point of view in terms of voiceover In terms of pushing the story along, um, it'd be interesting to see a different iteration of Zombieland from the different perspectives. I think that would be kind of fun. But yeah, when I look at Columbus, I definitely see a sense of someone who wants closure, someone who wants to get back to the thing that he is connected with the most, which is his family. And it's Zombieland with regard to these character names was something that I didn't expect. Using cities to represent these individual characters you know normally if you're doing an alias you're going to have some obvious alias but it's not going to be a city and we're assuming it's where they're from but do you guys think there's any other connection that we got that each of these characters has to their respective names outside of just where they're from
2: maybe the city names could be a place that they would love to be in if the world was a better place or maybe it could be a film that has like special memories for them, a place they probably went to vacation to. I didn't really see it as the cities being their actual hometown. You know, I think a lot of people assume that, oh, he, he may come from Columbus, Ohio, or he may come from Tallahassee. Well, they really ne- never really said that they were born there. It's just something that they identify themselves with. Also, using the cities is a way of not becoming still keeping a distance away from certain people like you don't tell like you don't tell people your real name you don't tell them your whole life story because you don't want to have a connection with someone because they're living right now in a world where this full of like hey you're here today you may be gone tomorrow a zombie may come around the corner and just end you just like that and what what good is it to have like someone you can connect with when they you could lose them in an instant
1: yeah i totally agree with you there and it's actually something i don't actively think about I always assume that it is the city that they're from we know that Columbus is going back to Columbus because that's where his parents are so we can kind of assume maybe that that's where he's from but Tallahassee yeah he's just going to Tallahassee we don't know where he's from if I recall correctly he's not from there is he is he does he state that he's going home or does he just say that's where he's on his way to because I think he just says that's where he's on his way to. So you're right. We don't necessarily know where. And Wichita and Little Rock, if they are, you know, if they're really sisters or – I don't know if they're sisters. Are they sisters? I think it's stated I, that see, I think we get the yeah, idea that sister. they are. Right. So then why would they be from different cities then? It's almost like they just pick names that maybe they have memories based off of or – something like that, um, or maybe a special event happened in some city. But I do, I think that that makes it more intriguing than if it was just limited to where they were from.
0: There's another interesting angle that you could look at in terms of the, if the rule of the movie is to have a character name based off of a city, it may be how they're imprinting themselves on other people as a secret identity. So when you look at a city like Tallahassee, That's a bustling city. It's got a lot of activity, and it fits with Woody Harrelson's character, whereas Columbus feels more academic, and it fits with Columbus's character. Wichita and Little Rock, unassuming. Two cities that are known, but they're not necessarily where you would want to go on vacation or have a big rock concert. So there might be something to that where these four characters, or any characters that we would meet in this world, perhaps in the sequels, we'll find more people that are attaching themselves to city names represent maybe not where they're going or where they're from, but how they want to be identified based on a secret persona. Because some act like who they are and some act in opposite of who they are. So it could be an identification to from for, or against. There it is. (laughs) And with these four, you have you look at the characters and you look at the names and you're like, yeah that fits or hey that doesn't quite fit. I think as much as I love Little Rock, it's not necessarily a city that's full of like high like scheming folks. I mean there probably are people but when I think of Little Rock, I don't think of it like another major city even though it is the capital of the state which leads me to fun question of the evening for you guys. If you could pick a city based on any other criteria that we've mentioned where you're from, where you'd like to be, or maybe representing your
2: personality type,
0: what city do you think you would love to identify yourself with in this
2: world? For me, it would probably have to be London, England, in a weird way. London, okay. England. Okay, so going across the pond. Why London,
1: England? And I need, I'm need i going to need you to speak this answer like Idris Elba right now.
2: Well, um... I know, the- <laughs> <laughs> you were going to do it! Oh, man! <laughs> I was going to. I, I can't do. I can't do. Um, Edris any justice with my um copy of a British accent. But London, I feel as a kid, I've always been fascinated with you know the London Bridge, um, just the architecture that surrounds the city, all the history it has. Um, it was a very famous city for authors like Ernest Hemingway, Stein, and Pablo Picasso, artists like that, where they congregated at and met to discuss ideas. It just seems like a city that is full of just so much legacy and. I'm inspired by it. Aaron, what about you?
1: Well, my dad once told me that Mamelle, which is the city that I grew up in, meant uh, beautiful breasts or, or breast in French somehow. So, that's an interesting name. I don't think I would take that one just to throw that out there. You know, I don't know, honestly. I Vietnam, can I go with Vietnam? No. I mean, if we're going to make I, up <laughs> if if we're going to make why up places. <laughs> There is nothing dangerous about Fayetteville right now. <sighs> I think I would probably, since Little Rock is taken, which would be a go-to, I think. It's hard for me because I've bounced around a lot due to the Navy, and I definitely would gravitate towards picking somewhere that I associate myself with, unlike Koles, who is thinking pretty broad, and I, I enjoy that, actually, and I wish that I could come up with something a little bit more smart. But I would most likely go with Seattle. Uh, I think that it has a ring to it. It's only a couple syllables, three, and it's quick, it's short, and those are the type of things that I would want to take into account. Something with a ville just would feel weird to me because I would know that there were other people running around out in the world with names that end in ville, and and it just wouldn't sit right. So I think I would probably just be boring and go with Seattle at this point.
0: That's not boring. Seattle's a great city. I would have chosen it had you not live there. <laughs> I, I actually picked Chicago. And part of the reason is because it's the first big city that I fell in love with that I thought I could live there if I chose to move when I was in my mid-twenties after I got out of college. Not that I was planning to, but it was a city that didn't feel as convoluted or as intimidating as New York. But it was definitely a lot bigger than what I was used to in things like Little Rock or even Dallas, which is busy, but still kind of stuffy. Chicago also has a lot of those monuments that are very memorable. My wife and I went there for our honeymoon, and so we got to see a lot of your touristy stuff. We want to go back at some point. But Chicago, to me, feels like a great blend of big city atmosphere and that suburban life that that I know so well uh, living in the little rock metro i mean i grew up in the suburbs even though the city was probably like five or ten minutes so I-, I like the idea of being associated with something that is significant but isn't like overblown and doesn't feel like it has to be intimidating like it feels somewhat inviting to an extent plus you've got two major baseball teams that's kind of cool not the ones i've been in love with but you know whatever atlanta's awesome anyway moving on as you mentioned earlier, Aaron, a lot of all of our characters have a motive going into this. As we find out, Tallahassee, of course, loves his Twinkies, wants those. Columbus is trying to get back to his family. And then Wichita and Little Rock are trying to get to Pacific Playland. And I had flashbacks of National Lampoon's vacation and Wally World only in a post-apocalyptic zombie land type thing. And I don't know why I thought that. I think it was just kind of funny to me. But I wanted to ask each, you know, both of you guys, what's the significance of these things? Obviously, they're all very different from each other. Do they have anything in common or is there something cool about the fact that they are all different in their own right?
2: They represent escape. Escape from just the grim, um, the death, the horror, the pain, the loss, the hurt that they may have suffered, um, on this journey of trying to survive each and every day. For me, it's no different than what you see now. Um, most people like to take vacations because they want to escape or they like to do dancing or paint something or read something to escape from just stress or any daily problems. I, that's what I got from it. I I see it as, as an allegory to the means of just what people will do, what what things they will focus on in order to just block out everything that feels like so disturbing to them.
0: Yeah,
1: I would agree, and I think that, you know, Tallahassee really sums all of this up well, and he gives us rule number, gosh, what is it, rule number 32, enjoy the little things. He's the one who actually comes up with that, by default, not the rule, but giving Columbus the idea for it. He said, when he's talking about his Twinkies, then we go back to those lovely Twinkies, and that's why I think it's a great stand-in for this. He says, there's a box of Twinkies in there, and not just any Twinkies, but the last box of Twinkies in the whole universe. And believe it or not, Twinkies have an expiration date. And pretty soon, life's little Twinkie gauge is going to go empty. And that's when we first get the beautiful line, time to let up or shut up as well. But what he's saying there is not really talking about Twinkies. He's using Twinkies as a reason to keep going. And it's very similar to what Wichita is trying to do with Little Rock and going to Pacific Playland. I think... We Well, we know that Wichita knows that Pacific Playland is probably not actually going to suffice, right? It's not going to be the experience that they're looking for, and it's not going to magically solve any problems. Um, and I think probably Little Rock might know that, too, to a point. But you tell yourself things, and you convince yourself of things in order to give yourself hope, which in a lot of ways is part of how we fight off depression and i feel like if we were living in a world that was quickly devolving into the chaos of zombie land and there were less and less and less humans alive then we would need something to push us forward and so if we want to channel that all into a quest to find a twinkie uh before the world's twinkie gauge goes empty then So be it. If it's getting to Pacific Playland, it gives you a purpose. It gives you somewhere to go and something to accomplish. The problem then becomes what happens when you accomplish that thing, right? You would just assumingly move on to something else. But you would always need to have that. You can't – the problem is you can't ever succeed, right, in this scenario. You have to have something that is driving you forward. It starts off as finding his parents for Columbus, like that's what he wants to do. And then ultimately it's more that he realizes it's finding a relationship in the present and just enjoying that for the moment and what he has. Um, and it's a great juxtaposition, I think, within the film about do we just enjoy what we have in the moment and not worry about the fact that w- the world is ending around us or is there some balance to both that is best? And I would definitely kind of side with that
0: theory. I definitely think there's an escape aspect to this, but I think there's also a realization that this is what life is. Life is a series of quests, and we go hunt for the thing that's going to make us happy, which could change from day to day, week to week, month to month. And what I think Zombieland does really well is it exemplifies the fact that it's okay to hunt for things and find things and enjoy things that are really futile. Because at some point, the Twinkies will be gone. So what does Tallahassee have to live for after that? And, and Zombieland doesn't harp on that. It doesn't make that a point. Like, what's going to happen when this is all over? Same thing with Wichita and Little Rock. You have these two characters that they get to Pacific Playland. And you're right. They probably know it's not going to be what they imagine. But getting there and being able to experience the fact that they did it, there's some really great, like, experiential reward that comes from that for Columbus finding out his family was essentially dead because the whole city was destroyed he either switches his motivation or he comes to realize what his greater motivation is which is really companionship or being connected to other people the first time he meets Tallahassee there's something in him that says oh wow after the guns of course are retracted from from each other He wants to be connected to somebody else, as crazy as that person is. But I think that his motive never really changes, and that's connection. He eventually finds it with Wichita, but it only comes at the expense of finding out that his family is gone. So of all these people, I think he is actually the one that finds the most fulfillment. Now, this is just a theory for me, but it doesn't take away the aspect of fun that Zombieland really, really preaches on. And I don't mean it from just a experiential audience point of view because this is a fun movie to watch but I'd like to believe that Zombie Land as a narrative is preaching that fun is what keeps you going you have to be able to have fun even in the darkest world that you're living in the fact that at the very beginning Columbus basically says welcome to Zombie Land that line has essentially told us that he has accepted the fact that this is the world we're not going to try to save it we're not going to try to restore it we're going to try to not survive, but enjoy it where, how it is. And to see all these places that they visit, going to Hollywood and then going to Pacific Playland, these are experiential things that people want to do. These are vacations, as you mentioned, Gilles, that people want to go on. They want to go to Hollywood. They want to go into these houses where these movie stars live. They want to go to these big theme parks and enjoy that kind of stuff. And they want to gorge on hostess goodness if they can and so Zombieland almost gives them permission through that avenue of fun and I wanted to ask did you guys see that did you see fun as being kind of a central focus of the movie
1: absolutely think so and you know Tallahassee's whole philosophy throughout is that you have to blow off steam or else you're going to go crazy and you're not going to be able to handle trying to survive in this world. And he has those great moments of just randomly going off and beating up a minivan. Uh, when we first meet him, there's a great, great little s- subtle shot. He's we have the, the meeting between he and Columbus. And right after Columbus goes to start getting into his truck and as he turns around to go back to his door, he just turns And, like, kicks this motorcycle that was standing up and just knocks it over for no reason. Like, literally no reason. And then just walks and gets in his truck. And then, you know, shooting the guns in the air, completely destroying the tourist shop, breaking stuff, releasing that pent-up, you know, frustration and fear and all those things that they live in. And I think you're right. I think because of that, we approach this movie with a much more lighthearted, you know, point of view than we do most films that deal with a zombie apocalypse. Because if you look at the genre, it's all about how do we survive? And if we do survive, how do we rebuild the world? What's going to happen? Is, how is it ever going to get back to quote unquote normal? And so I love that you mentioned it seems like they've accepted it's not going back to normal. This is it. This is what it's going to be. And we just have to live with it. And so if we just have to live with it. Once you get to the accepting that point, I think. That's when you can go to the place of, all right, well, let's go to Beverly Hills then as well, because what's the point? Uh, If the world is not going to get any better, this is the new normal. And so how do we enjoy and take advantage of? And then hopefully, eventually, clearly, as they show us through the film, they need relationships in order to maximize and really enjoy that fun, because you can have that fun, but you want to share it with someone. And that's what is going to ultimately keep them going. And so those are the two things. Uh, if you don't have to work and you don't have to worry about anything else, then fun and having someone to have fun with.
2: One of the commendable jobs I will give the writers for this film is they already assumed that the audience has seen so many zombie films. And they assume that they have seen the same kind of grim darkness over each zombie film. Like. Oh, they're trapped in the mall and they only got little resources and little time to survive. Like, oh, they're they're on the run and like everybody's died around them and they have nothing to live for. Like, I'm sure they know that the audience has seen that, so they decided, hey, well, let's just write these characters and have them be content with how things are. You know, not like Aaron said, not needing to change it, not wanting to save it, but just accepting what it is and just living in it and making the best of whatever what you got. I noticed most of the fun aspects came. You know, with the explanation of the rules, of course. I love the beginning of this film. It kind of reminded me of what the Zombieland TV show could have been, which we'll talk about later. With the showing you the dos and don'ts of when you don't, when you don't follow the rules, and when you do follow the rules in the opening scene for Columbus. And then in the ending, we get these great little sequences of Tallahassee just going to town on zombie horse Like he goes, they go to the amusement park and. He swings from the chandeliers, like, while shooting a, a submachine gun. Then he gets onto the roller coaster. It, like, it reminded me out of something from Left 4 Dead or Dead Rising, those um games from back in the day. Just he gets on the roller coaster. He just starts going around shooting. It just, it was, it made me, like, want to do something like that. Like, I, I don't <laughs> want the zombies or anything like that. But it, it just seems like something that, like, something that a kid would just enjoy, a 13-year-old Kid on like Hyped on Mountain Dew would love to do. And I love that those aspects were kept in, and I hope that continues for what we get in the sequel.
1: I, I love the reference to Dead Rising. I just gotta say, my kids immediately compared the movie to that when they saw this for the first time. Um, and we were like, th- we actually just recently rewatched Paul Blart Mall Cop, and we were thinking about like how. It's sort of like a combination of like a Dead Rising and Paul Blart Mall Cop where you're just looking for anything you can out in the environment to kill these zombies with and kind of just enjoying it. And you have to, like, you don't have a choice. And so why not make a game out of it? Why not make it fun?
0: One of the things that surprised me and that I enjoyed most about Zombieland, apart from just having a great time with it, was the introduction and short-lived life of Bill Murray. Who plays himself uh, in this film and his performance is pretty hysterical, but that comes from someone who absolutely loves his comedy. I am a huge, huge fan of Bill Murray more so now than I was early on in my young adult life when I was just enjoying comedy in general. He has really risen as one of my favorite comedians and having him in the movie was really surprising. One, because It opened up the door for, well, who else are we going to meet? Because obviously these aren't the only four that are alive. The introduction of Bill Murray tells us that, hey, there could be more famous people, non famous people out there. And it allowed me to hope maybe for the sequel that we're going to maybe meet more celebrities that are trying to pretend that they're dead, but they really aren't. But getting back to Bill Murray himself, did either of you find the reveal and the moments with him satisfying? I know that this was not a first time watch for either of you. So maybe going back to when you saw this the first time and maybe for those who didn't know who he was, weirdos, uh, maybe it was different for them, but for either of you, what did you think of, of that reveal and, and that whole sequence with him?
2: It was um, a nice detour. Um, I remember the first time seeing it, I was ecstatic because, I mean, who doesn't love Bill Murray? Um, Bill Murray's been a staple in my household since before I was even born. My grandparents were big fans. My mom is a fan, so seeing him, it was like the icing on the cake. Um, and it was a very memorable little um surprise appearance. Um, I really liked that he um also poked fun at himself in this role. You know, it was I could tell he had a lot of fun with this, and it was great. I mean, it was bizarre in a way because you know you wouldn't expect for Bill Murray to show up in the zombie film, but it's great.
1: I was shocked. I remember being blown away the first time. So so when your reaction now makes a lot more sense to me, Patrick, because you were not aware this was coming and it is very hard hitting that first time because you're like, wait, what is happening? It goes and I, and it becomes almost a little too meta at times towards the end of it, because we are in the world where it's realistic, so to speak. That they could come upon Bill Murray in his house. And he's going around in zombie makeup, you know, trying to fit in. Okay, we can buy that so he can go golf. That seems like a funny Bill Murray-like thing to do. But then once he gets shot, it's inconsistent with the rest of the tone of the movie. No one else gets fake, you know, shot in the chest and then doesn't die. and, And goes through the normal, you know, slow, you know, death. I actually, that's going to be one of the things I'm curious about. And I'm not going to, I wonder if he's actually dead, I guess is, or is he a zombie now? You know what I mean? Like is going to be one of my questions for the sequel, but the way in which he dies, as much as it's hilarious and it's Bill Murray like in the way that it's delivered with him failing to go to sleep and all that, not, sorry, not failing to go to sleep, (laughs) failing to actually take his last breath, kind of like the long drawn out breath and then it comes back. I don't know. I just feel like it's inconsistent with the rest of the movie. And so I I sort of am torn on it, but I love the inclusion and I think that it really pays off what they're all about. Like they've they needed a win, frankly. And Bill meeting Bill Murray gives them a win. People always say like meeting a celebrity is like the most memorable moment of my life. Like that's the kind of thing you would tell stories about and they're able to have that. And I was very happy for these characters that they got to experience something that big of a moment.
0: Even as lighthearted to an extent as the movie was, I think both of you guys are right in that the movie needed a pause. It needed a kind of reprieve. That's not the right word. It needed a, a moment to breathe. So that they could take a break from even as much as they were trying to have fun, they were still fighting off zombies and traveling and trying to make sure that they didn't get killed. And there were these pockets of moments in that sequence where, uh, Columbus and Little Rock are watching Ghostbusters and they come across the Twinkie scene, obviously, which is, you know, pretty great. And it's in that moment that Columbus is saying, so <laughs> what kind of guys does your sister like? And she goes, oh, uh, he likes, she likes bad boys. And he just kind of flips the popcorn tin and she's like, what the, what the hell? What are you doing? And <laughs> that would totally be me. Like, oh, she wants that. Okay. I'm going to do that. She's like, just ruin the popcorn. What are you, what are you doing here? Why well, I to make a movie, you know, watch a movie here. But I think that whole sequence, you're right, Aaron. To be accidentally shot is one thing. I think I would have preferred to at some point, even though he had been surviving this long because zombies don't eat their own, maybe they see something pretty hilarious about Bill Murray that's not zombie-esque and they latch on and then they kill him. And there's a big kind of shootout. I think that would have worked better. And he still could have had that last moment where he's, you know, breathing, but it wouldn't have been at the hands of this newly formed family. I think that would have been tonally a lot better. But his inclusion feels totally right in this like I don't know that I would have put any other actor in the sequence because Bill Murray's personality as an actor and as a human being fits right into this world
1: yep I, there there is no one else I can imagine being in this and I do know that there is I, because I was doing I'm not going to tell you guys right here and right now but because I was prepping for next week's episode on Zombieland Double Tap and I was putting in tags I was looking at the cast list and I will say that I was a little bit shocked at some names that showed up in that cast list and I'm really intrigued as to what they might do as a follow-up to the idea of this thing with Bill Murray being in this movie and I but you're right like you you can imagine like okay did they meet Tom Cruise as a zombie right I mean I could figure out like there would be entertaining value in those things but there's just is a perfection about Bill Murray
2: in that role. It just works.
0: It just works. Do, go ahead, Class.
2: It just helps that Bill Murray is um a very, very lovable um figure in Hollywood. You know, if you cast somebody that many people were divided on, it would have not gone as well. So it helps to just have someone who's universally as beloved as Bill Murray.
0: For sure. You mentioned, Aaron, the possibility of seeing other people, other celebrities, or other actors, actresses, whoever, in the sequel. And that desire, that idea, opens up so many possibilities. And I would like to believe that Zombieland is a TV series, which was originally, this was originally pitched as that. I believe the screenplay for this was a combination of the first two episodes and of a, of a cinematic type flair. And those things like the rules and the kill of the week really do hint at that. I love going to the IMDb trivia when I'm watching a movie at home that I haven't seen or that I haven't seen in a while to kind of say, all right, how long is it? And if I see that my scroll bar is very, very tiny, I'm like, oh man, I'm in for a lot of fun trivia. Uh, Fortunately, this didn't have a ton, but the trivia that it did give me talked a lot about the TV series, which hindsight, I'd like to believe that I kind of, saw that but you know whatever i see it looking back on it for sure that there were elements about the, the movie that were like this is definitely originally pitched like a tv show and so i want to ask you what would you have liked to have seen that maybe you didn't get that could have been in a tv series and what other stuff do you think may have missed the mark because of the fact that this was made into a movie
2: I think for me, the TV series would have improved on the character development, I say. Um, not that we don't already feel connected with these characters, but I think we could have got a little bit more backstory, especially on the two sisters, Wichita and Little Rock. I feel we don't really get enough leeway into who they really are. You understand these two sisters who are looking out for one another and they got each other's back and, you know, they had to do what they had to do to survive, but. I feel we don't understand their genesis, like their family, at least something about the family or where they came from and how they came to be on their own together. Also, I would have liked to see more emphasis on the rules. I felt for the TV show, they could have did a thing every week where they could have opened up with one of the rules and then have this little like five minute thing played before each episode. And then you could tackle right into continuing the story left off from the previous episode. Also, I would have liked to see the genesis of the virus. I know most zombie films don't like to show how a virus started, but I'm obsessed with those things. You know, I just like to see like how would it be? Just in case like something happens, I may have the answer for for um, the Center of Disease Control.
0: (laughs) I would
1: disagree with Collas personally. Like, I would not enjoy that way of doing this. I agree on the point of character development. I do not want to know anything deep about the virus in this world I don't feel like this is the kind of movie that needs to worry about that I think the tone of this is as I mentioned earlier we're not worried about trying to start over or fix it and so like the reason and the cause don't matter to me at all since we're not taking the dramatic approach if we were and the series was more dramatic I think I think it would almost have to be unless it was more in the vein of like a 30-minute Santa Clarita diet type show. I don't know if you guys have watched that one. Uh, It's about zombies that hit in Hollywood area and they're trying to live as zombies and, you know, deal with how to go about living in a world as a zombie. It's, It's a really fun little show, but it's 30 minutes and it's kind of much more humorous than it is dramatic. And I think... That could have worked for this. And so I would, I wouldn't imagine like an hour long episode. I think that that would be too drawn out and would be too much for me because I wouldn't want it to get too serious. But I do think that zombie kill of the week could be a fun little game to go through over a course of episodes and adding in rules slowly as you go. I think that there would be a high likelihood that this is the thing that could get overplayed fast, though. And a one-shot series of 10 episodes on a Netflix or Amazon or HBO would probably be ideal, maybe two, 10 episodes. But like I think you could quickly try and drag this out too long to where the formula got really stale and it was no longer special. And I think for me, what makes Zombieland special is there are no other Zombieland movies. There are there are no yes there are no zombie land movies there are no other zombie movies that are quite like this one and so it stands out and I think if you had a whole bunch of different episodes that were the same thing it wouldn't feel quite as special to me for some reason
0: I don't know Aaron I think while I'm torn on the length because I think that half hour shows or thirty to forty minute shows tend to lend themselves to more comedic stuff like Barry. Or like the Santa Clarita Diet, as opposed to your longer, like 50 to an hour-minute episodes, or more like your dramatic ones. I'd like to think that in the world of The Walking Dead and Lost, two series that were very successful, albeit they were successful partly because of their tone, the drama of it, the approach that both of those movies, excuse me, TV shows took, is what I think would uh, would have allowed Zombieland as a TV series to succeed. You have four individuals that you could easily flash back. And I, and I agree with you, Aaron. I would not want to see the origin of the, of the virus. Like, what caused this? That wasn't the point. The point is about the characters that live right now. But, getting hints of a backstory between these, these characters, and then getting to meet other characters along the way as they're traveling, where this show would break down, I think you're right, is that kill of the week. And if it got really formulaic, then after a while, You'd expect the same thing. You wouldn't care as much about some of the character drama or the character progression. If you did do it like this, I would say make it limited. Don't drag this thing out as long as you could. And I don't watch The Walking Dead. I mean, there are folks out there, maybe Coles, you're one of these folks that lives and dies by it or thinks it's a great show. And it has its accolades. But there are several folks who are like, okay, it has jumped the shark because it's gone on too long and now you're losing original cast members which is okay but at the same time at some point you have to know when to land the plane lost was the same way but it got affected by the rider strike Lost
1: did not land the plane
0: (laughs) oh no it did and then it did something else and landed the plane anyway we won't go there but the fact is when you have a show centered around a group of people living in isolation in a world that you don't know a lot about the way it's set up You have so many opportunities to explore that world with them and meet other survivors where I think the show would lose its momentum is how do you maintain the comedy? How do you maintain that lighthearted, have fun, keep it, you know, keep it very loose and not lose your audience because shows tend to live by either a laugh track or by drama. And this is a show that kind of would live kind of in the middle of that.
2: Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I couldn't see this really landing pretty well on if you put it on an ABC, CBS, or a Fox. It would have to be a Netflix, Amazon problem. maybe even a stars type of show, like in the vein of Ash vs. Evil and Dead. Or like Trailer Park Boys. Um it would have to be in that format. As far as the seasons, I could yeah, I couldn't see it lasting more than three seasons before it just got really, really old and just tired some. Um, there, the, just like The Walking Dead, um, I was a big fan of that show, but then after five, after five seasons, the formula just became redundant. You started predicting what the new episode was going to be already before you even watched it. And I think with zombie shows, like zombies, they sound good on paper. Like they sound good. Like, Hey, we can make a series around this and it may work for you for a long time, but eventually the material just becomes stale unless you keep adding new elements to it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead i was just gonna
1: say, I don't have any faith in the world that these writers would be able to do that. This is the writers of the Deadpool series. And the whole reason we don't have Zombie Land Double Tap until 10 years after Zombie Land is because they broke off and they went and did Deadpool. And having seen Deadpool, having seen Deadpool 2, and the repetitiveness, that's the one thing that kind of gives me pause, honestly, about Zombie Land Double Tap is because I've seen them not necessarily be able to innovate their comedy in a way that is new and fresh. It's just repetitive. And I fear that because I want something a little bit, I want the formula to be at least tweaked somewhere. And I think Mm -hmm. that if you were in a series format with these particular writers, I think it would not necessarily show that type of progression. But yeah, you guys have made great points. And I, I do love the point specifically about meeting other characters and having a world in which there's all of these people with new names out there in different cities that they are relating themselves to and finding out the backstories of why that would be really intriguing to me and that's one of the things about Zombieland Double Tap that has me the most curious I want to know who these four or five new characters are and what their new names are what the reason behind their new
2: names are
0: yeah to what are some things you're looking forward to with Double Tap now that we're kind of talking through the the expectations of the sequel
2: i'm looking forward to seeing more um development to the characters we already follow i'm looking to see if the new characters will add any juice or will there just be carbon copies of the ones we've seen which i'm kind of afraid of because of the trailer the effect is giving off to me because they're literally um, carbon copies in the trailer yeah, <laughs> literally carbon copies um, I'm hoping we get to see um, some more kills. Um, maybe we get to see if they can add in some jokes that are not time capsule in a way. They're not clicheic. I'm just hoping that the sequel is at least at the level or at least an improvement. I mean, I, my hopes are kind of a little bit doused at the moment, but I hope I'm wrong.
0: Speaking
1: of jokes, and did you guys catch the Facebook joke or the the irony, I guess, in the Facebook joke? There's a moment where... Jesse Eisenberg says in the movie, the best thing about Zombieland is no Facebook. And this is a year before he stars as Mark Zuckerberg in the social (laughs) network. And I, I, you know, knowing that movies are filmed sometimes earlier than their release dates, you know, we don't know if it's necessarily a year, six months, how much earlier I got to believe that that has to have meaning. Like that has to be in there intentionally with the knowledge that he was getting ready to be Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, the the writers have also mentioned how they feel like Deadpool would fit into this world perfectly, and while I don't want to see that per se, I, I I agree. I understand like that this is a world with the way that the comedy and the lighthearted treatment of the killing of the zombies and just going through your daily life. He would actually seemingly just insert perfectly into this world without much thought
0: deadpool as a zombie or not what do you think oh that'd be even
1: better but i mean he's already kind of a zombie
0: right because he's immortal and he's been dead and okay what about <laughs> what about ryan reynolds zombie or not how about that uh yeah
1: b- zombie pikachu okay oh that... yeah I like zombie that. detective pikachu no okay yeah uh <laughs> ryan reynolds would actually be an interesting choice to put in this movie as a zombie yeah. I could see that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have many expectations seeing as how you know, I recently just saw this for the first time. I guess if I can get a little bit more of the same because I had a good time with it and that it's not drawn out to like two hours because this is definitely good in 90 minutes or so. Um, I'm good with the link. And um, I want to know more about these characters that they're, they're connecting with. I, I actually... I love the uh, the fact that it takes place ten years later. I'm assuming it does, and maybe I don't know. But apparently, they've made a life living in this world and going into the uh, the White House. I think is a lot of fun. That got my that got my interest pretty peaked. Well, moving into connecting points, we'll start with you, Coles. What was your connecting point?
2: My connected point was um the showdown Columbus had with the clown at the end. I feel that this is the moment that he finally broke out of his shell and he finally became who he set out to be in the beginning of the film. And it was a nice um jolt of character development. Um, he finally faces fear and he changed don't be a hero into be a hero. It's just it was. Uh um, great funny stuff and you know him being able to get the girl and everything and i'm also excited to see if emma and uh, if columbus and wichita are still in a relationship in double tap i am and, too and yeah. i'm
1: really hoping that they are and that it is not gone the way of the dodo it's actually 69 not 69 that would be very low it is Ninety nine minutes, Patrick. So it's right at that hour and a half, hour and forty minute mark. So I agree with you wholly on that, by the way. Sorry to jump into that, but I wanted to say I too need it to not be two hours long. (laughs)
0: Um
1: my connecting point, I actually have I have quite a few, to be honest. And so I'm gonna mention a couple things. The first is sort of summed up, and this is not a full act like it was in one of our recent episodes, but I'm going to call it like the post-Monopoly interactions, okay? So right after Tallahassee has broken down during their Monopoly game post Bill Murray's death, and this is when Columbus realizes that Buck not is not a dog, but it is actually Tallahassee's son who he lost. And it's a moment of poignancy that is a little shocking for the film at the time. Like we're not necessarily ready for that or it's not been something that we've seen before after that scene the next moment is Tallahassee taking target practice inside the house shooting some plates and Little Rock comes to join him and it's very brief it's very quick but she's a great shot too and he starts to kind of give her tips and you just see this connection between the two of them that is seemingly forming in real time And I believe that that's when I notice maybe Little Rock can fill a gap for Tallahassee and maybe Tallahassee can fill a gap for Little Rock. We transition from that into another interaction between the other two characters in our foursome of Wichita and Columbus, and she's asking him to drink with her, which of course is going to be exciting for him. And they talk about their past and relationships, and this leads to slow dancing and almost a kiss right and it's i think that this is just such a great moment or two moments between these two pairs where for me this is where they all become more than travel companions but they start to see each other as potential long-term relationship partners and i know that they make that choice later and it's not bad um But I think that the build up to that is even better. And we even get a great moment after this where it pays off so well as a callback. After saving Wichita, she comes up to Columbus. She hugs him and she only says one word. She says Krista and she gives him her name. And I think that that is something so private and so powerful in this world because we don't know anybody else's name the entire film. And he is allowed to brush her hair back, the thing that he's been dreaming of his entire life ever since he did it to Amber Heard before she turned into a zombie rip. And they kiss. And I i love it so much. And to see Tallahassee watching this and give his little quip, finally got to first base. Not bad for that spawn, scrawny little spit beep, beep. But, um, but like in a perfect Tallahassee way, and like he's showing pride in Columbus for that moment. And so that kind of whole, sequence there was just really something that stuck out for me and then the other thing I just want to briefly mention that I thought was really great is just the ending narration of this film I I want to read it because we get Tallahassee blasting that hole after that amazing last stand by the way probably the best sequence for me because I really feel like he's gonna die in that moment the music the way it's shot in slow motion you really get the sense that he's going to give a sacrifice and i don't want that i am genuinely worried for him and i do not want to lose woody harrelson at that moment but he survives and he survives in typical badass tallahassee way blows the guns and then he ends up blasting a hole in this one box of twinkies that they find and it's so tragic it's so tragic And we see the girls spin off, and we they we see the characters realize, oh my gosh, are they going to leave us again? Only they stop. And the other relationship is paid off because Little Rock throws Tallahassee a Twinkie. And it's all wrapped up with another bit of narration where Columbus says, that look on my face, that was me realizing that those two girls in the black truck and that big guy in the snakeskin skin jacket were the closest thing to what I always wanted but never had, family. I trusted them and they trusted me. Rule number 32, enjoy the little things. Tallahassee got his Twinkie. And even though we knew life would never be simple or innocent again, as he savored that spongy yellow log of cream, we had hope. We had each other. And without other people, well, you might as well be a zombie. And that is a phenomenal ending. And I, we always kind of like shy away from picking the cool, like built up endings of movies as our connecting point, but that's it their family they have hope and that's what makes them human and not zombies and so
0: got to mention cool. them all absolutely absolutely and i really can't follow that up i had bill murray as my connecting point <laughs> um, is, of course you did yeah i'm but I, you know i was thinking through it and i called an audible and really for me part of what you're talking about aaron is this idea of not just accepting your circumstances but taking full advantage of it having that reprieve that exists in the scene with bill murray that reprieve that exist at the end where Columbus is able to pull Wichita's hair back to put her hair back behind your ear. These things that you gain from that. But the one thing that stands out to me in that is the ability to breathe a little bit. And I remember the scene where the Wichita, Little Rock and Columbus are essentially just given permission to break everything in the Indian gift shop and kalesh you mentioned the the opening sequence the slow motion here is is used so well the opening credits um giving you that essentially that exposition that you don't need verbally you just get it from these great little two shots from these people being chased and being attacked by zombie hookers and showgirls and mailmen and whatnot And it's used really effectively in just the right moments. And this is one of those scenes where we see things getting just smashed to pieces. But we see something on the face of each and every person in that room. And it's a smile. That's not something you see in a zombie movie. You always see somber. You always see pensive. You always see, oh, my gosh, how are we going to survive this? And the technical use of slow motion allows us to just revel in that destruction with them. In that physical exhale of, you know what, this is our time to relax. We've snuffed out all the zombies. We are now going to just relax for the next hour long and destroy everything because sometimes you just need to to break something. So for me, seeing that and seeing that idea echoed throughout the rest of the movie made the experience more enjoyable. You don't feel a sense of Gloom and doom at the end because you're still living in zombie land with these characters. You feel not even a sense of hope, but a sense of satisfaction, knowing that you have other people that you can experience this with. And you know what? Sometimes you can have your Twinkie and eat it too. Nice ending. <laughs> well, that does it for this episode of Feeling Film. We hope you guys have enjoyed having this conversation with us. Coles, where can people find you online to talk more about this or any other movie?
2: Um, you can find me on twitter.com under the name Black Nerd Magic. Um, I'm under the same name on Instagram and Facebook by my real name, Caless. So, come by, let's chat it up, and let's be friends.
0: Coming up next week, as we mentioned before, we'll be talking about the 10-year in the making sequel, Zombieland Double Tap, so you'll want to come back for that. In keeping with our zombie theme month, so to speak, we asked our patron donors to vote on a zombie movie for us to talk about. And 28 Days Later came out as our winner, Narrowly Beating the Crazies, Resident Evil, and I Am Legend. And apparently, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake was not popular among our donors. Surprising. Uh, Before we sign off, we wanted to make you aware of a survey that we have posted in our Facebook group and in the show notes of this episode. We're asking for a bit of feedback to assess what's working and what we can be doing better as a podcast. Uh, You listeners are the best source of information for that and we'd love to hear what you're thinking about the show feel free to answer the questions it's not mandatory but we're just asking for that so we can get more information on how to make the show better Aaron Coles thank you guys for a great conversation and we will talk soon
1: hey everyone thanks again for listening if you enjoy the show we'd love to hear from you you can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening these help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you